Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We are through the quarterfinals and earned a ticket in the semis this past Tuesday. But Nistelroy was in charge of the semifinals draw and he delivered pretty well, pairing up Real Madrid against Borussia. We'll talk about this tie and also the near future of the team today. I'm joined by Pedro. How are you doing, Pedro? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. And Chris is also here. How are you doing, Chris? I'm great. Thanks for having me as well. Looking forward to the, the semis. All right, guys. So first of all, pretty, pretty simple question. Pedro, first of all, did you like our, the draw? I did. It was the one that I was hoping for. And um, hopefully having faced Dortmund in the group stage will benefit us this time around. Yeah, Chris, how do you feel about it? Well, last week I, this was well, this was the the draw like I kind of wanted, so I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, especially since I know, I know we met Borussia two times already this season, and we didn't we didn't manage to to even get a win. But this time should be pretty different with with every every injured man already healed and everything. We we'll have a much stronger defensive lineup. Uh, defensive line with Ramos <laughs> able to play in center back finally, and not and not needing to to cover Marco Royce and everything. But I think it'll be a very interesting draw for us to to be able to get to the to the final. Do, do you think uh, Madrid has a really really good chance of getting to the to the final at Wembley? Well, what do you guys think? I think it'll be challenging, but I think we do have a good chance. Um... I think specifically for us, you know, Dortmund, by the way, I want to give credit to everybody in the community who's sort of giving me resources to read up and do my research and come to my own conclusions because I will admit that I'm not very knowledgeable about German football, so thank you to everybody out there. Um, but back to what I was saying, it seems like Dortmund is almost in a way a little bit more inexperienced, although similar than us. You know, they play that fast counterattacking style. Um, they're very active, very dynamic. However, we have it's our third year going into the semis. And I honestly think that this time around, everyone is so, so hungry for it. Especially, you know, from Mo down to the last reserve player, everyone has their eyes on the prize. And I just can't see us making the little bonehead mistakes that have hurt us in the past. I honestly think this time around, the concentration will be there to the maximum and we can actually pull through to the final. Yeah, uh, what do you do? You think Real Madrid should lay back and wait for Dortmund? Since I mean, I think Dortmund is a pretty similar team to to Real Madrid, and they also like to play counter attacks. So, and considering that we play in Germany the first game, what do you guys think, Chris? What do you think? Should Real Madrid lay back for the first minutes at least in the tie, or should we try to to hold on the ball and and avoid them to to have prevent them to have any any good chance? What do you think? Like you said, these two teams do play a very similar style, and I think whoever's going to go through, it's going to come down to whoever can execute their tactics better. To answer the question of whether we should sit back, I mean, I really this team has its identity, and I think I, I think we just got to stick with it. Um, you you want to be smart in situations, obviously, but this team has taught me one thing this year: it's it's going to play at its absolute best when it matters the most. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they've made that pretty evident yeah. for the past several months. And I, I, I anticipate the team being locked in and just really doing what, what it does. I don't. It, it, we are a better counterattacking team, but I think we can hold on to the ball 
probably better than most would give us credit for when everybody when we got our full starting 11 in there and everybody's really motivated to play so i don't think we should stray too far from what we do best and like i said i think we'll actually play our best when it matters the most and this is obviously when it does yeah pedro what do you think about that i think we should be a little more aggressive away in germany to try to yeah. get that play goal yeah um Definitely. it's a shame i would have preferred that the home and return leg were the other other order and we'd be finishing off in germany i know that sounds crazy but um yeah so i think we should go into this game and just try to get early goals and de destabilize dortmund and then hopefully if we can come away with a victory and a pair of away goals we can be more conservative at the bernabeu and just uh, sit back and try to counterattack when it's best I don't know, guys, whether you watched the, the the tie against Malaga, at least the second game, that crazy game where Borussia yeah. scored two goals in three minutes to, to go through Malaga. I think, I mean, Borussia Dortmund disappointed me a, a little bit, you know? Even mm -hmm. though they they went through and and they managed to, to come back from that uh, from terrible uh, two-away goal, two goals from Malaga in, in, in Germany, And they disappointed me. I expected them to to dominate Malaga after after the their scoreless draw in in Spain, and they never you know have much uh, domination at all. So right. I'm not, I think they they've been a little bit worse in the in the second half of the season than than in the first when they dominated Madrid in the in the two games. Well, What did you did you guys think about uh, Borussia's game against Malaga, the second game especially? Go ahead, Pedro. Sure. Well, I agree with you, and I have to say, I'm just heartbroken from Malaga. I don't have specific ties to the team. I don't root for them specifically, but to go out on such a blatant offside goal just really, you know, as a fan of the sport, you just can't help but feel sad for them. Um, yeah, well, Ma Malaga's second goal was was offside also. So yeah. I mean, I don't have, uh, you know, they they complain. Of course, Borussia's uh, last goal was offside, but Malaga's second was offside. So, You're right. Too, so they, they cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, go ahead, keep going. No, but I agree with you. I expected Dortmund to really just take care of business in that second yeah. game. Um, I think Malaga, you know, they were. Every year, it seems like there's that one team that gets farther than they should in the Champions League. And this year, it seems to be Malaga. Um, but what you were saying that, you know, Borussia was better in the first half of the season, which is, that might be true. And the good thing is that we're now better in this second half of the season than we were in the first. So hopefully the odds will tip in our favor. Yeah, Chris, did you watch the, the second game? I did. And the, those final, the final half hour was was intense and crazy. And like I said, like Pedro said, I'm, I feel heartbroken for Malaga. Just putting yourself in that position when they scored their second goal like you said it was offsides and luck played a big part in this game obviously both both clubs got goals allowed that shouldn't have been but you could see it in their faces i mean they 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 thought they were through and they and they should have thought they were through given how much time was left and it was just snatched from them but uh going back to your question on how i felt Dortmund played i mean when we talked last week i was certain i, I didn't even really given much thought that Malaga would have a chance to advance. I thought Dortmund would take care of it, like I think we all thought. And like you said, they just weren't very impressive or dominating Malaga. I think they they really did outperform Dortmund over the two legs. 
but you know that's the way football goes sometimes and the best team doesn't always get through and so you could say you know when you don't play your best and you find a way to advance that's a sign of a good team true but the performance you know well the performance from our team at Galatasaray in the second leg wasn't too convincing either so we got to say that but the performance from Dortmund it gives you i mean it gives you some some optimism going into them. They don't look their sharpest. Like you said, they looked much sharper, I think, at the right. first half of the season. Yeah, we'll deal with our with our second half in Turkey a little <laughs> bit later because, I mean, that deserves some commenting. So uh, I was going to say that Pedro said before that um, uh, he would have preferred to, to face the, uh, the second game in, in Germany than doing it in the Santiago Bernabeu. So I'm not so sure especially after Dorman went through with uh, with such an incredible in such an incredible manner if if i have to to come back from a from a difficult score i i think i prefer to do it at home and real madrid you know has this similar uh, kind of of style than dorman's so if borussia kinds of get uh, an away goal in the santiago bernabeu that would uh, put him through. I think I'm confident that Real Madrid can can turn that score in the favor uh, playing at the Bernabeu than doing it in the in the Signal Iduna Park. What do you what do you think, Pedro? Uh, with this, you know, yeah, with this statement. No, I totally see what you're saying. My thought process was more that if we played at the Bernabeu first. Um, we could sort of try to keep a clean sheet the same way we did against Galatasaray. Yeah. And then we could go to Germany and just go all out and really be a little more aggressive, a little bit more attacking and go for that away goal to try to finish it off. Um, but either way, like you said, both legs, like Chris said, we're going to have to play our game to the best of our ability. And, you know, hopefully the away goals rule does not play that big of a factor. It definitely might, but... At the end of the day, you just really have to go out there and play your game and try to execute. Yeah, guys, I'm definitely impressed by by Lewandowski. I think he's been the the key guy in in Borussia. Not not Royce, not Godse. I think Lewandowski has been impressive, and he's he's he has that strength that hurts Real Madrid a lot, which is aerial aerial game. Uh, yeah. We we saw Varane struggling with uh, against him. In the in the two games against Borussia, and I think he will be a very dangerous man in the in this leg. Lewandowski seems to win every every aerial ball in <laughs> that Hummels play. He he's a Hummels is a great man uh, with uh, with those long balls, and I think we'll have our hands full against against Lewandowski. Do you do you agree with this? Do you would you rather uh, take a deeper look? Uh, to Royce or Gotze, what do you guys think about this? Well, I think you're correct in pointing out Lewandowski. I think he's he does so much for them. He's his positioning is always great. That's part of the reason why he seems to win every ball that comes his way. Because he's you know he's got that that instinctual feel for the position, and he helps out a lot in setting up their their team press when the other team has the ball. Uh, he does very he. He sets the pace from up top, and guys like Goats and Royce and behind him work well as a unit to to press and counterattack like they like to do. So he's he's a versatile player, and he he poses a lot of problems for you just because he's a very he's a very smart striker. He's just you know it's 
perhaps the most underrated, but uh, in my opinion, the most important aspect of your guy up top is just being in the being in the right spots at the right time, knowing knowing when to make the run, where to make the run, where to create the space. And then he's a clinical finisher too, so uh, I think he does pose the problems. Uh, and I think he, he's he's the one he's definitely one to look for, uh, but yeah. he'll he'll be the focal point. Yeah, Pedro, do you think uh, would would you play with with Varane and, and Ramos again? This is the the center back uh, question that right. always comes to mind, and uh, especially against against Lewandowski, which is as we said uh, very strong in the in the aerial game. What 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 would you do to stop him? Mm -hmm. My fear is that we could have another mistake on a set piece, um, wow. especially with Lewandowski threatening in the aerial game. But I have to say that I do, I do feel comfortable with Rafa Varane playing. I, I think, you know, we have that great gif of all the great players he's already stopped. And I know that... The Not Drogba, though. Yeah, you're right. He didn't that stop Drogba. <laughs> we'll deal with that later, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I feel like Pip is just not in his 100% yeah. best form at the moment. And Ramos, you know, for better, for worse, I think in the big games, he's a little bit more responsible, a little bit more aware of how badly the team relies on him. You know, maybe I'm speaking out of my out of heart rather than with my brain. <laughs> But I do I do support and would like to see the Ramos Varane pairing in this game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Lewandowski is such a such a threat to us, uh, similar to to Drogba. We'll which we will get into that later. And what about Royce and and Goetze? Obviously, the the other you know runner ups for for Borussia Kimen. What do you guys think about these two these two players? Do you think they're overrated? Do you think Goetze will can play in a in a you know? Top elite uh, European team. What do you guys think about these these two players? I think the the team they play on certainly helps them, but but I, I think they're fabulous players in their own rights, and I think they could they could go elsewhere and succeed. Royce is he's he's just a he just goes for days. He's a powerful runner with good yeah. skill. Uh, go to He's got the creativity. I don't. I don't think they're underrated. I think they shine definitely at their brightest in in Klopp's team. The, the really Dortmund. I see them as they're they are a team. I mean, they do everything in a very coordinated way, and they have a very good good awareness about them of what the team needs of each individual player. So I do think they they succeed at their. You know they they shine the brightest in that spotlight, but I don't I don't think they're underrated. I think they could they could go elsewhere. They they seem very talented players to me. Yeah, to me Cristiano Ronaldo is more I yeah he's, he's similar to to Royce. I think Royce I mm -hmm. I think I prefer Royce than Götze. I think Royce is a can be a better player even though everyone seems to to love Götze more. What do you think about those those two players, Pedro? I agree, and I think. Seeing Götze, especially on the national, international stage with Germany, um, at such a young age, for me, it's very impressive. And I have no doubt that if he keeps on this trajectory, he's already a very complete player at, what, 22, 23? Um, well, I think he's younger. Really? Yeah, I think he's, he's under 21. I, I'm not so sure, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I think you're right. I think he's 20. Um, 
I'm yeah, he, he he's from 1992, so. Okay, he's... yeah, my, that's my brother's age. Yeah, he's he's, he's 21. <laughs> my gosh, what am I doing in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I, I always hate bringing up the ages of the. I know. The <laughs> It makes you feel so unaccomplished. I hate doing that, but yeah, it's yeah. incredible. These guys are young and very, very good. Yeah, Gotcha has a lot of room to improve. That's for sure. He's he's still twenty one and he can improve a lot. He he might enjoy uh, uh, another year in in Dortmund to you know to to then go to another to another club, maybe in the Premier League, maybe to Real Madrid, Barca. I don't know, but he certainly he certainly deserves to. Seems to deserve to be in in a in a bigger club, even though Borussia is already in the in the semifinals. Uh, what do you think about Royce, Pedro? Did you didn't talk about him. I'm a little bit worried about Royce, um, just based on our situation at the right back. Yeah. Um, Arbeloa is not in form now. He's suspended. Yeah. And Cien has the hamstring injury. We don't know what his status will be. I, I think he'll play. Yeah. He'll play. Okay. Um, but Royce he's not Exactly, Royce is fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if if Varane has to go to support Essien, that just creates space for Lewandowski. So I'm I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. And I think our defensive midfielders will really need to support and be on their game defensively. Otherwise, uh, these guys, Royce, Gotze, Lewandowski, they're just going to take advantage of the spaces. Yes, but because our our left winger stopper Arbeloa, that you know he he stopped Ribery against against France playing with Spain. He stopped Ribery also last year against Bayern Munich, even though the German team uh, knocked knocked out Real Madrid. I think Arbeloa That's... definitely has the skills to stop Royce. And but, but look, but, but, I... yeah, go. I think what you said. I think the last good game that Arbeloa had, looking at recently, is that international against France. Um, I don't know. I think since coming back from that international break, he's been a little off and almost mentally just a little lazy. Yeah, well, he, he, his second yellow card is absolutely crazy. I mean, no, no one can defend that because you, you can get yourself you – can, you cannot get yourself out of the, of the game. Even though Real Madrid, of course, was almost sure going to go through, but you cannot get yourself out of the, of the first semifinal with that, with that you know? Yeah, okay. I, I think it's he, he's not. I mean, he wasn't responsible with that with that second yellow. So I'm not, right. and I'm, I don't feel safe with him playing right back against Royce. He he did well against Galatasaray, really well actually. But uh, Galatasaray didn't have that left winger, uh, quick left winger that could uh, play against the 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 slower Asian. So I see. So I don't know how Real Madrid will solve that problem because Royce is a very dangerous player. He's very fast and he could create a lot of, a lot of danger. So right. I mean, remember back to the, when when we faced them earlier and they got the best of us two one. They Asian had to play left back in that yeah. game and they attacked him and attacked him and now he's in a more favorable spot at right back. But he still seems to be the that's he's, that's probably going to be the weak link, the one you got to worry about on the back line and. Yeah, with with Royce coming at you, like I I love Essien at right back, but that's that's where with a guy with pace like that, that's where you got to worry. I think that's where he's weakest, and I, I I fully expect Dortmund to tactically again try to target Essien this time on the right instead of the left. 
Yeah, because we're not understating Essien. I mean, he's been great in, against Galatasaray. He's been a really good fit in the in Real Madrid's right back. But even I mean, Royce could destroy every every right back in the world almost. And and Essien is not a pure right back, and he's not as fast as he was. Right. So, I mean, that needs that must worry Mourinho for sure. And what what about Gundogan guys? I mean, they they lost Shahin two year, uh, yeah, one season ago, almost one season and a half ago, and they yeah. signed Gundogan out of Nuremberg, I believe, and he's been really impressive this season. I think he's been a key in 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 Dortmund's success in the in the Champions League. What do you th- did did you watch the his game against Malaga? Well, do you think did you think they he performed well? What do you guys think about Gundogan? Chris, I'm going to defer to you because I didn't watch the full game against Malaga, just the highlights. Right. Uh, well, against Malaga, I saw the second half, and I wasn't watching for Gundogan in particular, but just watching him in other situations, uh, the team really hasn't taken a step back from the loss of Sahin, like you said. He's yeah. Come, and he adds a different kind of dimension. He does have great, a uh, pretty good range of passing like Sahin does, but his Gundogan's difference is he's very... Mobile and he can dribble past a player to to create that little angle for uh, for the for the final ball and he's he's very good at picking out a final ball as well. So uh, I've uh, last week I think I read somewhere uh, talk I think it was probably something about replacing Javi Alonso. Yeah, I remember yeah. Kuzar and Gundogan's name does come up in that. Yeah, but um, you know the I I, I apologize I don't remember who. Was, who said this? Who I'm quoting here, but you know, it's it was. Uh, tell me who your center midfielder is, and then I'll tell you what kind of team you have. And, yeah. uh, and you know that's very true. And Gundogan brings a different style, but he's still got that range of passing. But he can dribble past a guy, and he's really creative and mobile. So uh, he's a he's a great player. Yeah, he's a different midfielder because he he's creative, but he doesn't play as deep as right. as Xabi Alonso. He Xabi Alonso tends to 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 lay back, almost play as a third center back when Real Madrid has the ball. And I think Gundogan will be very dangerous against Real Madrid. He works really hard and he can he can bother Alonso and Kedira a lot. I think Gundogan is a player to watch and, and if he keeps improving like this, maybe we can we can try to implement another tactical system and everything and, and sign him to replace Xavi Alonso because I think he, he, he's impressed me a lot. I mean, he's been he's been really great this season, the, the, the games I watch uh, of Dortmund. Okay, guys, so the, were you scared when, when, Galata, when Galata went, went 3-1? <laughs> That's the main question, yeah. Uh, well, I... Uh, I wouldn't. Say, I didn't panic. I got a little nervy. I would say. I mean, yeah. in the seventh or eighth minute, Ronaldo scores. You're five goals to the good right there. And I think, you know, even you know, following the game and the match threads, there there seemed to be certainly some panic spreading through the the Madrid masses. Uh, <laughs> but, I panic. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was a little it was a little nervy. But I think it. You know, you go five goals to the good. You're five goals ahead. I, human nature, I think, is to take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit. And I know we like to, you know, we are Real Madrid. We like to hold yeah. our players to the highest of standards. You almost want them to be robotic in their yeah. professionalism and keeping the foot on the gas pedal. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I, it's just human nature. You know, 
clearly we turned it off. We shut it off for a little bit there, and there was a little panicky moment. But thankfully, Ronaldo again to the rescue. How lucky are we to have him? Wow. So. Yeah, Pedro, did you panic? I did. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, the first goal, I'm going to say, I was like, okay, Gala got a goal for their dignity, for their pride. Good for them. Then the second Wesley Snyder goal, I was like, wow, that was class. There, There's the Snyder that we all were expecting to see. And then when Drogba scored his goal, <laughs> I got nervous. I was like, oh, my God, they have so much momentum. The third goal came so fast after the second yeah. goal. That's what really made me panic. Yeah. Because if they have that capacity to score two goals in what, in the span of five minutes or so? Well, three or four, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's when I got nervous. And it was well, for that reason. What was crazy that really sparked it was something you would never expect. Ronaldo missing a sitter right in front of goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was then, before the, the third goal, right? Or the second. Right I don't before, know. I believe that was right before Abue smashed it into the top corner. Yeah. Well. And, they were all nice goals on the Galatasaray part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you you can almost do anything about to to, to stop those goals. But yeah, the the thing is, they had so as you said, they had so much momentum that that I, I mean, it was only I think it was only, fifteen minutes until until the ninetieth. So you're right. Yeah, but with that momentum, it, it it didn't feel crazy for them to to score two more goals. So no, especially at home. Yeah, when when Drogba scored that that back heel goal, I, I said, okay, we got a game here, and we we, we need to wake up because yeah. they they can they if if imagine if they score one goal with with ten minutes left, and and that crowd and which was unbelievable to me to to have that crowd in right. in a football game losing losing five goals, uh, to me I think Galata is really is really lucky to have that that kind of of crowd. But I, I I panicked and and to me this this was as I said in the in the recap Baran's first uh, bad if we can call it that way game of the of his season I think he couldn't stop Drogba of course Drogba was great but I think Baran underperformed a little bit what do you guys think about Baran's performance Chris Well well I was when looking at it you know the individual plays on which he got scored on. I find it really hard to put a whole lot of blame on him because I think he just got he got outclassed by much more veteran players than him who've been at the biggest stage and you know have won titles and have been you know, world class players throughout their careers. Uh, I don't know the Schneider goal. You know, yeah, he 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 can do nothing about that. I, in I mean, my opinion, at least he just got he just got outclassed. And Pepe well, on the other side, he was he was kind of, he had kind of stepped up to. To mark somebody a little late, and then he was late getting back, and Varane was beat at that point, and it was over. And then the yeah, Drogba the ball went through his legs, I believe. So. Right, yeah, he he nutmegged him and put it past Lopez. And then the Drogba goal, I mean, what do you what do you what are you gonna do? I mean, that's a massive man holding you wow. off with yeah. that strength, and then the the class to to tuck it in with a back heel. In, yeah, have uh, you seen have you seen how Drogba uses his body there? I mean, yeah, that, that's what a, what a striker. That's a perfect example of how to use your your superior size and strength for a goal, you know, and then the class, just the class to tuck it in with a heel, you know. I I just hope Veron doesn't get too down on himself. I don't I don't think he will, you know. No. Like I said, he's still 19, so we do, and we've talked about it a little bit before. Kind of, we don't want to put too much exactly. responsibility on his shoulders too soon, but you know, I think he'll bounce back. You know, I think he realizes 
you know, there wasn't a whole mo- lot he could have done, you know, to prevent those goals. Yeah, Pedro, what do you think? Do, do you think he can, I mean, I think he he doesn't have a problem with, with his game against Drogba. He he needs to realize that Drogba is, a, is such an incredible striker. And it, it's, I mean, Drogba has made every defender in the world struggle against him. So so why not Baran when he's only 19? I mean his body hasn't developed yet a, a lot in you know from from a strength uh, set. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about Baran's game against the further opponents? What do you, what do you think? No, I think you're right. And also we have to think about that in the first game Baran did pretty well. Yeah. And I think Drogba in the second game knew what to expect. He probably knew that he'd have to take his own game to another level. And I think that's what we saw. And also, you know, Varane, yes, he struggled. But then again, the passes that made their way into the feet of Schneider and Drogba were not exactly his fault. Um, some blame goes to our whole defensive back line. So um, I'm not too worried about him. I think he'll be fine. I think we need his athleticism, his speed, especially against a team like Borussia. Um, so I'm, I feel comfortable, honestly. I feel, I feel that we have him, we're in good shape with him there. Yeah, we need his speed, especially after uh, against Borussia. I mean, because Borussia is such a quick team that I think yeah. Baran's quickness is something that Real Madrid needs against Borussia. And I liked Modric quite in the in the first half. I th- I know some some people think I'm a Modric lover, but I, I I like his first half a lot, and I think that he's one of the reasons why Real Madrid controlled the game. But he quite disappeared during the second half, and he was one of the reasons also why uh, uh, Galatasaray had had the chance to 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 score those three goals and hold on the ball and everything. What do you guys think about Modric's uh, performance in that game? Did, did you like as a uh, did you like him as a Xavi Alonso replacement? What do you, what do you think, Chris? Maybe I'll start to get called a Modric lover as well, but I thought he was fantastic in the first half. In the second half, really, I mean everybody. Everybody kind of fell asleep, and so it was kind of hard to 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 evaluate any individual, you know, his contributions in the second half because the whole team was really below par there. But I, in the first half, I thought he 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 may have been the man of the half. I mean, I thought he was yeah. excellent. He was, you know, he did, he doesn't have maybe the positioning kind of instincts, Javi Alonso, but he exactly. actually broke up he broke up quite a bit of play. I felt. In the first half, and yeah, then... he's very good tackling, and then yeah. that, that surprised me quite uh, this season. I knew he, I mean, in the Premier League, everybody has to be a little bit good defending and tackling, but he he surprised me quite with with you know, especially with his with his size and with his body that he's really good at stealing balls with a tackle. Keep going, Chris. Yeah, I mean, he he can get into a tackle, and he did on a, a couple occasions. But even before that, I thought he read the game really well he intercepted passes as well as made some tackles and he was and in in the in our best movements going forward i think he was he sparked it he was he got the counterattack going pretty well uh, he he's a guy who can who can dribble past like, someone unlike Xavi Alonso i wouldn't ever expect Alonso to dribble past somebody but Modric has that he's got that little quick change change of pace and a little slitheriness about him and he can get himself out of a tight situation and then spray a pass. You know, I, th- I thought he was. I thought he did really well in the first half. Did you like him, Pedro? Yeah, I honestly think Chris said everything I wanted to say. But the one skill set that I admire the most is how he does 
really transitioned from our defense to our attack quite well. Even when he's sworn by defenders, he somehow manages a way to slip out of that trap and play a pass. I just don't see him, you know, as far as skill set goes, it seems like Xavi has the accuracy to play the long diagonal balls. And from what I've seen, I could be wrong, but Modric is more, he likes to play it on the ground. He likes to play short passes, Mm one-twos, or dribble. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if Luca asserts himself more in the team, if we sort of change our style, how it'll go. I'm, I'm not... I, I think Modric is great. I, I think he's gotten a lot of undeserved criticism. But I am just sort of curious in a good way to see how the team will uh, adapt to him as well as him adapting to our players. Yeah, he definitely can help from a, from an, a full preseason with the team. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to, to his, to his next too. season. I am too. I'm excited. You know, we've talked about this before. He came into a very difficult situation you know, the, the poor guy doesn't have a, doesn't have a preseason. He, he comes in, and our locker room is in disarray. We're losing easy games. And on top of that, he's trying to prove himself after such an expensive transfer. So, I mean, slowly but surely, he's really showing his quality. Yeah, because even though we paid, I think, 35 million euros for him, I think he will, he will be a great addition to our team from, from the next season, on, especially since... Since Xavi Alonso will not be able to play as much and everything. Okay, yeah. guys. So today the Daily Mirror said that uh, Mourinho was going to stay. Surprisingly, yeah. yeah. Surprisingly, El País also, the Spanish newspaper, uh, yeah. also said that Mourinho was going to turn down Chelsea's last offer to 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 hire him and fire Benitez after even <laughs> after Chelsea's defeat to to Manchester City today this afternoon and what do you guys think will I think I see Mourinho a little bit more committed to the, to the cause uh, this this last few, few weeks what do you guys think will, will he will he need some changes in the in the dressing room maybe maybe you know transfer some some key players that he might feel are disturbing the the dressing room and everything. What do you what do you think about Mourinho's future with with Real Madrid, Chris? What do you think? Well, this past week certainly given me a different kind of outlook on on Mourinho. I've said before I I couldn't see him staying with all everything going on, but you know, the rumors were so there were some meetings going down in Istanbul and everything, you know. Everything came out well, and now the word is he's staying. I, you know, that's that's great news to me. I'd always wanted him to stay. I just didn't see it happening. Now, going forward, yeah, if he if he were to stay, you know, we've always obviously seen all the the issues coming out of Casillas and Ramos's camp. Uh, you know, I just I just wish these guys could just, you know, all all shake hands and be friends and get on with yeah. the job. You know. I don't. I don't want to see any tr- big, you know, big names having to leave. You know, essentially just trading them into for Mourinho to stay. You know, ideally you wouldn't want to see that. Of course. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I really, you know, being over here, you know, not in Spain, I, you know, I don't get the day to day kind of followings of what what things are like behind the dressing room. Whether that all those reports can be trusted. You know, that's a who knows. But you know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm just cautiously optimistic, I guess, at this point. You know, I, I just I, the more I think about it, though, it it just Mourinho leaving at this time, it, it would it it it'd almost be like conceding defeat for him, 
And that's what makes me think, you know, maybe there is something to this, maybe him staying, because leaving at that time would just kind of be conceding a defeat of the locker, well, a locker room defeat, you know, on his part. So, yeah, yeah. Pedro, give me your thoughts about, about what I said. I'm excited, Lucas, and I have been critical of Mourinho um, in the past. I have to say I didn't, you know, this season he's been spectacular, but when he's done the things in the past with the eye poke for Tito and... Yeah, of course. I mean, and yeah. everybody can cre can criticize that. But, right. Yeah. But I watched, I actually watched that Mourinho documentary on ITV again last night because mm -hmm. I was just so excited. I was so, I was in a Mourinho mood. I, I saw the, the news and I just got really psyched about it. Um, and I, I don't want him to leave. We have, it feels like we have a team and there's problems, but I think in the last couple months... Um, with us advancing in the Champions League, it seems like everyone's coming together at the right time. Um, and yeah, like Chris said, I don't want to see Iker go. I don't want to see Ramos go. Um, I just hope they can bury the hatchet, but they also need to fall in line. The manager is the manager. He's the boss. Exactly. And, and something, something that, um, ironically, Kaká said about Uh, about his experience with Dunga, which applies, which sort of, I think, applies to any manager and which made me appreciate Mourinho. You know, in 2010, when Brazil lost, yeah. uh, Dunga was criticized heavily in Brazil for playing a more defensive game instead of the traditional Draga Bonito um, style that Brazil's known for. Mm -hmm. But Kaká went on record to a Brazilian press and he said, a manager needs to have a line. He needs to have his philosophy and he needs to stick by it because... If he goes to the whims of the press, the whims of the players and of the club, it's everything's going to fall apart. It's going to be a madhouse. And the manager needs to say, this is my line. I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to fail, but I have to stick to it. Otherwise, it's just going to be crazy. And that's that quote, that sentiment sort of really made me appreciate Mourinho. He has his stance. He said, this is my, you know, this is the way we're going to do things. If you don't like it, um, You're going to be punished. You're not. You know. You're going to be on the bench. It doesn't matter who you are. But this is his line, and clearly now, I think having that uh, that discipline, that conviction, is really paying off for Madrid, and that's why I want him to stay because I feel like now we are a formidable team. We have the respect of Spain, and obviously internationally as well. And we have a coach who's got the balls. He's got the guts to sort of say, "This is my position," and you either follow the line or you pay the consequences. And you need that in a leader. Yeah, and we need to say that for the first time in eight years, Real Madrid went uh, went to the semifinals in the Champions League, and yeah. he's he's done it three years in a row already, and and he's put Real Madrid's name back in the in the European elite. And after I, I repeat, eight years of going out in the in the round of 16, which obviously was. It's embarrassing looking. Yeah, back. it's embarrassing to, to to look at that in for a team like Real Madrid. And I'm really happy that Mourinho seems to 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 consider staying in the club, but I I really don't see him staying and you know having to to fight against Casillas, living in in the bench with all that controversy again, and you know benching Diego Lopez again for Casillas, even though Casillas, I mean Casillas might have changed his mind after after his injury and everything. But it would be unfair to bench Diego Lopez, as we said in 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 later podcasts, but earlier podcasts, uh, sorry. But to me, I think he might ask Florentino for some players to leave. I'm not so sure about you know shaking hands and 
and peace and love and <laughs> and the theories you said. So, I mean, maybe Florentino will have to choose between between Mourinho and and maybe Casillas, Ramos, and every other player. So right, yeah. he he'll but, have I mean, a very tough decision to make for sure. I mean, if you look forward, I mean, this is a very young team and they're very good, obviously. But the core of the team, we haven't seen their best, you know. And if you consider the possibility of Mourinho staying, I mean, it. It, it, when you start to think about it, it has the potential to be something really special, you know. And that's, you know, that's why I want him to stay because I know he's the guy for the job who can take Madrid back to this, this just an absolutely stellar level. Yeah, you know? to me, we can build a, a dynasty if we keep the that's core of the of the team. You know, we have Di Maria. I think he's 25. Kedira is 24. Osile is 24, 25. Also, Cristiano is only 28, I believe. Marcelo yeah. is young. Coentrao is young. Uh, we have Pepe a little bit, you know, 30. I think he's in the, in, the, in his 30th already. But yeah. we have Varane coming in for him, and we have a, a very young core and Benzema, Wayne, and everyone. So it would be very sad to 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 make a you know like a rebuilding project again. Like you know they are, yeah. they're familiar think... to in the in the NBA and everything. And the thing is, if Mourinho leaves, I don't see the you know the the roster, the main the main core of the roster staying. In the team, if I think if, if Mourinho leaves some players that he brought, like maybe Di Maria, maybe Contral, maybe Baran, I I don't see them staying. So it will be a very tough decision for for Florentino and everything, especially in, in the year of his of the re-election, if he wants to to be the Real Madrid's president next next four years. All right, guys, yeah, we need to. We're almost out of time already. And it was a pleasure to to have you. Let's hope we win this night at, at Bilbao when we have this episode up. Uh, the game will have ended already. And, and I've seen the, the lineups already. Diego Lopez is playing. And Modric is, is taking Osil's place. And let's hope we win. And we'll talk next week about Real Madrid's future and, of course, uh, the tie against, against Borussia. It was a pleasure having you, Pedro. Thank you very much, as always. Really enjoyed this one specifically. Yeah, Chris, also, also a pleasure to have you, as always. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to the next one. All right, guys, see you see you next week in, Real Madrid, in what will be Real Madrid's, Managing Madrid's fifth episode of the, of the podcast. A la Madrid, guys. A la Madrid. Gracias.